0: The magic of editing, Lauren.
1: Okay, I don't know. I can't edit shit. <laughs> as as I mentioned a little bit, me and technology are not 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 friends.
0: <laughs> We've got hey, That's what sound bites are for, right? Okay. Sure. Uh, but I don't want to skip over the good stuff, Sue. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, I know from a little bit of background research that you did not start in fitness. You did not grow up in a fitness and nutrition world. So where'd you where'd you grow up? Where were you born?
1: So I was a horse girl. Okay, let's get that out in the open. Everybody's gonna oh roll your eyes It's it's a funny. um, It's a funny thing. But yes, I did grow up and I started a few other sports um, You know like dance and and gymnastics and I think they kind of were probably like hey, she needs to not be here Um, (laughs) My parents never told me that but now seeing my coordinated abilities I'm pretty sure that someone was told that I should, I'm not a gymnast, it's not in my future. So I started riding um, at seven years old and literally did that up until I was, I was 20. So showed competitively. Um, anybody who's listening who knows, it's like the hunter jumpers, equitation, all that. So I used to do like patterns and jumping over things and, and, and all that. Um, so it was a huge part of my life, a huge part of my uh, just upbringing in general
2: what's going on Hidden some fam Kevin valance here and i wanted to take a moment to show justin and lauren the magic of editing because there's a little technical difficulty and i'm going to slice that up so you guys can listen to the rest of this episode in the meantime since i have your attention i just want to ask you one thing if you find this episode of value I ask that you share it with one person, because the truth is, if we can help you with this episode, there's a chance that we can help someone else. The next thing that I want you to do, just if you're into it, go into the free Hidden Summit group. We present value like this every single day with live calls, cheat sheets, and guides to help you get to where you wanna go, body and mind. Plus, you'll never have to do it alone. I truly believe it's the best community on the planet, the most positive and uplifting community that you'll ever be a part of, so go to stan dot store slash hidden summit and get over to the hidden summit group on Facebook today.
0: So let's. I want to start from back from where you were talking about in your presentation because it is fresh and because we did have some good thoughts on it. So we'll uh, we'll recount those a little bit. So talking about, do you trust yourself? And you talked a little bit about from the presentation standpoint, and you talked about it a little bit from the mindset standpoint when it comes to uh, fitness and nutrition and, and coaching clients. So tell me a little bit about trusting yourself, how you got to that conclusion? Yeah. So
1: what I started to realize is that most people have issues with food and their relationship with it because they don't trust themselves. And there's a lot of reasons why someone wouldn't trust themselves, right? Um, Whether it's just bad dieting practices or constant yo-yo dieting or the societal or social media type messages or you know they had a bad one-on-one interaction with you know a partner or a family member whatever it might be there's a lot of reasons why someone wouldn't trust themselves in terms of, of food and how they're viewing it especially if they found something that works a lot of times people will cling so mm-hmm. tightly to that and that was one of the things I was touching on in the presentation in terms of um, dietary flexibility and being really really rigid a lot of people get rigid with things because they're like I finally found something that worked like I've hit my goal like I look a certain way or I feel better or I'm this or that. And it's understandable. Um, But things are often not a problem until they are, Mm. right? Totally agree. And at some point, it was serving you but then at another point, a later point, it no longer was. And the issue becomes when it's no longer serving you and you continue to stay in that. So that's really where we have to revamp and constantly reassess ourselves to be like, is this the right approach? Um, and that's one of the great things about coaching is you have this one-on-one relationship and oftentimes people thinking are thinking that there's like this huge like week to week changes and this big, like, no, no, no. It's literally these like tiny micro adjustments that you're making every week and you're creating story and you're watching it unfold with clients. We're saying, hey, let's try this. And over the next few weeks, we're going to gauge how you're responding. And then we can make a more informed decision and a pivot better instead of saying, hey, do this, don't do that. To be fair, at some point, you have to do that, right, especially when someone is new. Um, but the real magic of coaching, so to speak, is being able to implement things, see how someone responds, make tiny adjustments. And when we're talking about in the lens of trusting yourself around food, that is a whole long process and it's something that's understandable as to why someone would struggle with it. Mm. Um, And I just want people who are listening who maybe hear this and go, oh, you're right, like I don't. That's okay, most people don't and the fact that you're self-reflective enough to recognize that is a huge first step, but now we have to work on it.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. The awareness is the first step there and you just saying, like you just coming out and saying, well, one of the main problems is you don't trust yourself, or like somebody coming to that uh, to that uh, conclusion, comes back to okay. Well, you just need to trust yourself more. How in the hell do you get there? Thanks. Right? <laughs> yeah. Be oh, oh, I'm
1: I'm really uh, depressed right now. Be less sad. You're yep. like sick. Oh, <laughs> my depression literally melted away. I really appreciate <laughs> those insights. It's kind of like the hey, just try better next week. Now, I'm not saying to not say that, right. right? Like that's not it's not a bad cue. It's better than berating someone. Um, but okay, hey, maybe we need, you know, I know you can do this next week, but let's reflect on this or that. Okay, get back to me with where did you struggle here? Let's try this. Let's impl- what are what strategies are we creating and yeah. implementing? It's not just enough to say, "Okay, here's the problem. Now what are we doing about it?" And that's really where the work quotes comes in. Yeah.
0: Monitor and adjust. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's a beautiful, the beautiful part about working with clients is there's really no right answer mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, if you were coaching me and I was coaching you, we would have totally different approaches because we started, you know, we grew up differently, mm-hmm. different sexes, we like different foods, you know, whatever the case may be. So speaking of how we grew up. I want you to take me back to a little bit of the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you from, and how did you get uh, like how did we get here today? And that was a big question, but.
1: Yeah, so I grew up outside of Fort Lauderdale area, so down in South Florida. And I grew up riding horses, so I did uh, hunter jumpers, uh, in that whole world. So anybody who's familiar, it's like when, when people are jumping over the obstacles and, and that kind of stuff. So I was a horse girl. Um, started riding at the age of seven and did that competitively all the way up until about college. And um, it was such a huge part of my life in terms of not only the community that I had um, and just like the love I had for the sport, but just the things that I learned and like the discipline. And I grew up very differently than a lot of people who didn't do that. you know. And um, you realize now like how different that was versus maybe another kind of like childhood. Not horse girls? Not horse girl stuff. Um, but literally like just being like dropped off, like my parents would just you know on the weekends like drop me off in the morning, pick me up when it was dark out. Like we'd have chores there, we'd have to do stuff, we'd have to just, figure things out like it was a, a very different kind of like life like I was never really you know on a computer or things that, like <laughs> which is probably why I'm not very techie <laughs> as as is now um different times. Different, well, different times but just in general like I was just always doing something I always had like responsibility um and a sense of of taking care of something and uh, so it was it was great I absolutely loved it and I hadn't ridden in like 10 years and then I, I, I actually got to ride last year and it was so fun. Not like, like like on a trip, like, you know, oh, I went on a trail ride in Hawaii. Like, not like that, like actually ride, you know, and my friend um, has, a, has a dressage horse and um, I was like, she's like, oh, come ride. And I was like, Okay, I'm, I'm I'm gonna take you up on that, and it was it was fantastic. So definitely a big part of my life growing up, and um, in high school I uh, ran track and cross country. Okay. So I, I love that I was always into running. Part of part of it was um, I grew up with an eating disorder, and I was also part of part of that was which is often very common when you, you have an eating disorder, is you also have other like behaviors and like obsessive type behaviors along with it. So I would have a lot of physical output at, on top of the the low input. Um, so I was always like running and I like I loved running but it was partly you know because I wanted to expend more energy yeah. um, and I but I also genuinely did love running so when I got to high school I was like I'm you know I was pretty good like I, I'm definitely built to be a runner like hands down like lifting weights jiu-jitsu anything athletic like no me long distance like running
0: I'm built for it what did you run
1: so I ran. we did cross country. So that's a 5K. So okay. 3.1 miles, and then I did. I did everything from the two mile, the mile, and the 800. Like so, I was definitely a, through and through a distance distance girl. But I also started lifting. Um, our our one coach got us into lifting. So I was 16. Did I remember? Literally, remember doing RDL. Uh, not RDLs. Uh, good mornings with like the bar, um, getting stapled with like a bench press. Like you know, like just all that kind of stuff, right? And I just loved it. Um, I started to talk about psycho. So I was riding, I was running. Um, and then on the weekends I would go to the gym and I would take spin classes and I would lift and like the guy just was always doing stuff. And, um, so started lifting and I always had a lot of injuries, even though I'm good at running. Um, my body is, is, doesn't really tolerate it very well in terms of like the mileage was always hurt. So I was always doing cross training. I was always doing some like weird shit to like try to like keep up my capacity, Um, which looking back was actually probably not the the worst idea. But um, I really knew that I loved lifting and I was like, I'm just excited for like season to be over so I can like lift more and graduated high school and got a personal training certification started training people started lifting more and then as i mentioned in the presentation i was 18 go to a bodybuilding show and i was like yo this is for me <laughs> this is so weird <laughs> And then and back then like this was 2010 the industry was bodybuilding industry has always been weird but like it's way more mainstream now it was like everything that you'd imagine in terms of like the weirdness back then was was 100 percent so this was like pre-social media age, you know what I mean? Like nobody was doing it for like those reasons. Nobody was like, people who were getting sponsorships were like the people who won the Olympia. Like that was it, you know? It wasn't like, oh, let me post my journey. It was just like, nah, the the, the, the weird men and women at the gym who like wore questionable clothing choices, who like spent hours lifting weights, like that was the crowd.
0: Actually wanted to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not for clout or anything like that. Yeah,
1: so... That's kind of the the background, the 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 TLDR background.
0: <laughs> you know, actually, a funny story. I had to like look up what TLDR yeah. meant. I was like, dude, why it's,
1: can't it's a great fr- like not gonna lie, it's a great summary. You know, especially because I, I I write pretty lengthy posts, so sometimes I'll just I'll just do that. Be like TLDR, and then I'll just put like you know a a, a sentence or two. <laughs>
0: You're like, didn't read it, summary. but yeah, give me a little bit of a summary, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I get what you're saying. So it was back when, or you caught it. You caught the bodybuilding books, mm-hmm. as it were, back when it really wasn't popular, necessary to bodybuild. Like you said, Definitely it was like not. weirdos, like, I mean, yeah. in, in and, context of society.
1: And even even just women training was totally different then. now i'm not saying that you know it's not the 1950s it was 2010 like i'm fully aware right <laughs> um but you would go to a gym yeah. and there would be not as many women sure. lifting um mostly taking classes and then so after that summer where um you know it was between high school and, and and going to college and i went to a pretty large um college of florida state and uh so i get there and i've spent the whole summer like Meathead bro in and out with like like our our four thirty like lifting crew the summer. I look back and I'm like, God, what a what a time! Like a very motley crew sort of of individuals, and I'm used to like like nobody ever questioned. It was just like I'm part of the crew and you know you just do it. And so I was used to like that. I'm used to lifting. I'm used to to training hard. And I remember I will never forget going to Florida State and and getting like a tour of of the gym, and I was like, and they're like, oh here's the girl section, and I was like, what? and it was like in the corner of the gym and it was like a like a cable system like like to the like the crossover system um dumbbells up to like 35 and like a fucking bosu ball and i'm like oh uh, yeah i'm going to go train like like they were saying it wasn't like a designated like female only space but it was basically like alluded to like here's this little corner and i was like yeah miss me with that and uh, <laughs> and but but seriously i was one of the very few like women who was consistent in lifting because at, at Florida State, like, the, the athletes have their own separate right. facilities. So yeah. it, it wasn't, of course, like, the athlete facility. Like, there's plenty of women training there. Um, but this is just, like, the general gym. And then even when I th- – my second year, I joined um, the, the, the meathead gym down the street, like, the Golds. And um, even then, there was one girl who we would train together because um, she was competing, and then a few other people – Every once in a while, who would kind of be in there. So when I did my master's, I got the call um, from my advisor, Dr. Bill Campbell, and that I had gotten into the program, and he's like, "Hey, so I want to do, you know, female physique research." And I literally was at the gym when he called me, and I'm like, "Bro, there's like two chicks here. Like, I don't know what research you're running."
0: No, dude, I'm half the chicks here.
1: But I'm like, I don't know what. Am I, but I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, that, sound, that sounds cool to me but like I'm like this guy's nuts um, and lo and behold I gotta give it Dr. Campbell is one of he's been such a huge mentor in my life but one of the things that I learned so much from him was about just vision casting right yeah. which was Kevin did a great job of, of opening up this whole um, weekend with the talk about that this man literally in 2013 this was not the first time he had shared that you know what I mean obviously he'd had this in his mind and my research was not that right as we saw like I none of the research he was doing Up until when he gave me that call was female physique research my research was not that it wasn't until a few years later and now our lab focuses almost exclusively on female physique based research really which is very uncommon or at least mostly physique research and a high level of sometimes female only studies which is not the norm in exercise science research
0: and you're still involved in that lab
1: i will help out you know occasionally with like study design and, and all that and we're just super tight but it's it's absolutely incredible. Like he said that all those years ago, and I was like, "This guy's nuts," but he's built it, you know. And when I got there, it was like we would use every grant to like, okay, what what new machine do you want? You know, like what what's going to be the best for the lab? And now they have top to bottom like one of the best training you know facilities in terms of like the the quality of equipment that they have to to get everything done. When I was there, it was like we had like a, it was it was cool that we had a deadlift platform. Now we have everything. We got like all all the things. So yeah, yeah. it's. It really speaks to vision, which I know it totally derailed us, but um, no. hey, full circle. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's
0: no there's there, there, there's no rail here. We can we can go Perfect. we, we that's, can go in every single <laughs> direction, right? Sometimes I feel like we're lucky to just be recording and capturing all this information <laughs> to begin with, right? As you can see from the initial setup. Um, I do wanna I do wanna kinda create a timeline though. So you were talking mm-hmm. about back when you first started taking lifting seriously, and mm-hmm. they were like, oh, this is the chicks out of the gym, and you were like yeah, not really because I'm going to go lift basically with whatever I want. And they're just like, oh, well, we just don't see chicks over here. I would say pre that, and again, that's like like you said, 2010 or like early to mid-2000s, mm-hmm. was maybe the biggest um, female influence you saw in the sport in general was like American Gladiator. Like you saw mm. buff women on American Gladiator, right? Mm. As far I'm talking about exposure to the world, yeah. not just tiny bodybuilding setting and whatever, yeah. right? And then you had female athletes in college, obviously sport specific. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, early 2000s, now we start to get the advent of social media is mm-hmm. coming on. And now it's like, not really cool to be a bodybuilder, but like people are looking at each other's bodies and like, mm-hmm. how do I do that? Now, I was a former, per- former personal trainer too, back in 2019 through 21. I even noticed very hard to get women to the strength floor, mm-hmm. even still today. Uh, yeah. What and, do you think even, that is? and even then, like
1: having a trainer Is different than just training on your own, right? You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like there was a lower barrier of like, hey, I'm going to sign up for you know a training package and you know have someone help me out. Um, So again, not I'm not trying to sit here and say that there was no women training. Of course there were, but just a substantially lower amount and and really like class heavy um, in terms of like the exercise classes, Mm -hmm. um, which is which is great. But it's definitely been a huge shift, like completely different now. Yeah, within the past. Five years, I would say there's been a, like a massive change.
0: Yeah, and like you said, your mentor, um, tell me his again, Bill, Dr. Bill Campbell. Dr. Yeah. Bill Campbell. Uh, I know like guys like Brett Contreras, mm-hmm. um, big uh, influencer in that because started making things that were women uh, drew women in more to the gym, yes. right? Which I know like people joke about, like oh, you know, women just want to work on their butt all the time, right? And and Brett said,
1: yeah, okay, well, let's let's create that. I'm very good friends with Brett, and yeah. he's amazing and super intelligent, and and not just people know him like you know popularize the hip thrust yeah. and you know make some cool equipment and and does all this, but he genuinely like through and through like is a trainer, yeah, you know, and he has trained so many people and like bodies over the years, um, and he's done research, he has his PhD, he's done all those things, um, he has all the qualifications, but his real strength is understanding. How to put things together and to coach people through it. Like I've I've known him for many years, and every single time I will go and train with him. Like we always, it's just always like a kick ass workout. And part of it too is, of course, like we're friends and we're there together, and he's pushing me, and, yeah. you know, whatever. But like literally, left, like he just he moved down to Fort Lauderdale and um, he has has a gym there now and. Uh, I go and he's like, Oh, you gotta try this and I'm like, What the f-? I I've never fucking seen this machine, you know what I mean? And then he's like, It's it's for something else and he's like, Do it this way And then I'm like, Of course, this is so hard and like such a great movement. And I'm like, You're so weird to like think of this. Yeah. But like I literally just get there and then it's okay, hey, do this, okay, do this, oh tweak that, do that, you know, and then you end up it's it's like forty five minutes later and you've had like the best workout ever. And it's it's not by accident, you know what I mean? It's not because he's done research, it's not because he's done that like he literally has coached people for twenty plus years. You know, and 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 that really is where like how we talked about in the beginning. It's about, okay, what am I learning? How do we make these adjustments and how do we make this better? And he's gotten to a place where he's really, really done a good job with that.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. Like I said, he I think he's pioneered a lot of things that Mm -hmm. have drawn not just women, but a lot more women into the into the sport uh, or just into training. Yeah. Yeah. And let's let's take that back. We'll we'll tie this back in to trusting themselves Mm -hmm. to go and train on their own.
1: Yes, and that is a huge thing in terms of of confidence, right? A lot of people just don't have confidence um, in themselves in general, but especially when it comes to training. And I think that it's really useful to have periods of time where you do have, um, you know, some type of programming, whether it's just like a general program or something that's super customized or even, you know, one-on-one training with people because you really just start to learn, like, okay, like, what is working for me? What isn't? And, you know, obviously we can we can sit here and debate, you know, oh, is this, is this program better? Is this optimal? Is this what... When someone is first developing that confidence, it's really important to have like a guiding point, you right. know? Hey, what should I be doing? And then over time, as you learn more from, you know, resources like podcasts and, and books and, and and different things like that, um, and being exposed to people who are putting out good information and seeing, okay, what are what is a good training program? Like what makes me feel good and reflecting on what work what is working for me then you can start to create like better and optimal and best for you. Um, but just having a plan and having someone there who, you know, either from a virtual setting or in person is so important to developing that confidence. Um, Cause if you go in and you're like, yeah, well, I see, um, you know, so-and-so squatting a lot on social media, yeah. let me go try that. And then it's like a fucking disaster because obviously squatting is incredibly hard <laughs> and it takes a lot of, you know, effort and, you know, you can't just expect to look at you know a world record power lifter and see what they're squatting for reps and be like oh I'll, I can I can do that. Yeah. Um, but it's become so common to see that you know those those messages on on social media, um, and then you try it a few times and you're like oh I'm not I'm not getting it. Like maybe I'm what something's wrong with me. Going back to my talk when we're talking about adding in diet flexibility and adding in these untracked meals, it's something I, I discuss a lot because it's super important. But a lot of people really struggle with them. It's not easy, and people think, "Oh, I'm doing it wrong." It's like, no, like this is this is it, you know. Um, And we can talk about this with emotions too. People think, "Oh, I'm having like a sad emotion or a negative emotion. Something's wrong." No, you—that's the human experience. Like, now we don't want to be constantly in negative emotions and building on top of those like over and over. And that's like the, the life that you're living. Okay, no, we need to take a pause. But this idea that's being sold that like you should never feel anxious or depressed or anything like that is, is completely false and it's setting
0: people up for failure. I completely agree with that. And my, my thing with most of my clients is as long as you don't quit, you can't fail, mm-hmm. right? You you really cannot fuck this up. As long as you don't quit, you cannot fuck this up, right? Cause like, just like you said, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to come back and you're going to try it again. So as long as you're not quitting and you're giving consistent effort and you're listening, taking feedback, like monitoring and adjusting, like we talked about, mm-hmm. then you can always make this better. And so, tying it back toward like you talking about giving uh people all people to to go and train and and trust themselves and give themselves confidence where does your confidence come from because mm. you have a pretty big following on social media right you are i would say a leader in the industry for coaches um and women and strength training in general right and you know I, I obviously admire a lot of your stuff and i'm not a woman uh so where does that where, where do you get that from well, first, I really appreciate that. Um, I would say, so,
1: and this has actually changed over time, and this is um, something that's a constant work in progress. Mm-hmm. So for myself, I was a, I'm was a very driven person. I'm a very um, goal-oriented person. And for a lot of things in my life, it was like, okay, here's the next thing. Let me check this. Let me, okay, did this. Okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? and i always was pretty successful in terms of of school i was successful in terms of athletics um, and just achievement in general right like like standard achievement mm-hmm. um, because set my mind to it decided to do it so you develop a certain type of confidence when you say i'm going to put my mind to this i did it yay right like congrats go me okay what's the next thing right um competence often drives confidence right so okay i'm, I'm competent in this area whether that means Learning, you know, on the ground type learning, or whether it's um, I'm going to this seminar, or I'm studying really hard, or I'm, you know, giving every effort to my diet, like whatever it might be. Okay, now I'm going to create this confidence because I'm getting the outcome. And then a few years ago, I got to a place in my life where I was like, hmm, am I just my achievements? Like, is this it? You know, and I started to really realize that, like, it was fulfilling. but only to a certain point, and it was actually kind of an empty fulfillment because it was always like, what's next? So I would say that now I've been working really hard on reorienting myself to not only have those types of extrinsic goals that I'm working towards and having achievements and constantly pushing myself, but to also start to have these other intrinsic things that are giving me confidence, Mm -hmm. right? That people can't take away because ultimately like, I could try to do something and then fail and then if it's i'm only if i'm only measuring my success off of that perceived win mm-hmm. or that hypothetical win whatever that looks like well then i'm never going to be satisfied and um you know whether that's you know status or money or placings or followers or whatever it might be if i'm always going for metrics there's always going to be something more there's always going to be someone better so it became very empty to just be chasing that so not that I don't have those things that I'm working towards, because I certainly am. Sure, um, but I'm also trying to reorient and revalue myself to say, okay, you also have these other values that, like, you can work towards in terms of being like this person who is like more present um, and a great friend, and um, you know, really like confident in in yourself that in a way that nobody can take this away from you because of the work that you've done internally. Um, and then when you do that work internally, then that confidence comes from within you. And that allows you to succeed in those other areas as well.
0: Wow. That's a... Man, can we just stop the podcast there? Uh, (laughs) You knew this
1: would be a long one. You said it.
0: I did. I did. (laughs) That's why I I
1: was first, guys.
0: Yeah, that was why uh, Lauren got to be uh, first on the roster today because I knew that she was going to have great answers and that she was going to explain them very well. Uh, I actually want to pay you a a compliment and um, something that I've noticed just following you for... The short amount of time just knowing you through first form things as an elite athlete. And then, you know, like I told you when we talked yesterday was the first time that I had really met you or seen you present in person um, was got to be going on like six years ago now yeah. or something like that.
1: Five or six years. And
0: you talk about your confidence coming from you stopped, you started finding your identity and things that weren't your business, your social your body, right? Not that those things aren't important to you, but you started finding them a little bit more identity in how you relate to people mm-hmm. and how you relate to yourself. And if we go back to earlier in our podcast, is that was kind of a that was a trial and error thing, right? You had to monitor and adjust. I noticed personally, so I want to. I, I think you're very. I think you've done a lot of work on this. That since I since I remember talking to you, seeing you speak last time, and watching you speak on your own podcast on YouTube, and. Um, watching you speak on there today, that you have a calm assertiveness, even though your true personality or like how I know you <laughs> is a very bubbly individual, right? Mm-hmm. Who can talk real fast and get really excited, right? <laughs> right. And I, I'm, cause I, I'm very much the same way. I can get really excited and talk. And I don't want you to miss the point that I'm, why I'm so um, passionate about xyz thing like you are about coaching and nutrition the things that you presented up there today and so um i think you have a real gift in that you have figured out and you're constantly working on how to work on yourself internally so that what you are saying isn't missed because of how fast you talk or how excited you are about it right i think you bring a calm assertiveness to your presentation and to your podcast and uh so I just wanted to say well, I appreciate yeah. that so much. And it's something that I've had to work a lot
1: on um, just as someone who is you know, bubbly, talkative, loud, yeah. <laughs> like all those things. And, and, and there's different points where you, that's necessary and useful. Um, but the message can be lost um, in that. And then also just recognizing that. And I think this is a process of like aging, maturing wisdom, you know, like like Joe talked about, sure. and just working with more people and having more experiences like you realize, like, OK, Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to approach something. There's so many, um, I guess I, I guess I listen a lot more too. a lot more reflective. Mm, Um, and I think that in this space, it's really, really needed right now. And it's really hard because, you know, I I dog a lot on social media. Anybody who follows me knows that, um, has talked to me in person, knows that, and I think it's an amazing tool. How is everybody listening here, right? Like, how are we having this conversation? How is all this happening? Like, how did me and Kevin get connected to then, like, fast forward to this, right? Like, all of these things happen from there. But unfortunately, a lot of times, especially in the nutrition, training, wellness space, the people who are talking the loudest, the people who are talking um, with so much like vindiction, you know, and like, um, you know, they, they make it seem like, oh, this is the only answer, yeah, you know, dogmatic. so black and white, yeah. so dogmatic. That's what gets the views. And that's what gets because people think that that certainty is um, equated to them being correct. Mm-hmm. And that's often not true. Um, and I feel like we're seeing so much of that now. And it's really, really just challenging to be in the space because you want the best for people mm-hmm. but they're falling into hearing these types of messages and thinking oh well well that's that must be the answer you know what i mean and and coaches can fall into this too yeah. you know so it we all fall into this in our own different ways um but i think that in this space we definitely need all we all need to like take a step back in terms of like all right how can we be more reflective how can we listen more how can we be more nuanced with what we're sharing not to a point of being confusing mm-hmm. you don't need to talk over people right i think that a lot of times the science community who've been a part of that for for quite some time can do that because they're really good at one thing mm-hmm. or a few things and they're really good at talking to other people who are smart like that um so it can get that can get lost in the conversation there's obviously a few science communicators who speak really well that everybody knows, hence why they're popular, right? If you listen to Peter Atia, he is literally one of the most intelligent people that I've ever heard speak. He is very thorough and very smart, and I'm not saying his content is easy to listen to, right. but he makes it accessible, right? Um, it, it's it's one of those things, but but he's a rare person, mm-hmm. you, you know? <laughs> it's not a lot of Peter Attias, Yeah, um, or that's Andrew why. Hubermans. There's not a lot of Hubermans, <laughs> right? And, and it's not that he's not talking about complex things, he is. Yeah. There's not a lot of Petersons, right? Like mm. take like all the things he's explaining, and they're still complex, but he's able to distill important messages, right? But there's a, there's so many people in those spaces, and 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 people like Huberman and people like At- Atia will will interview those people, you know, and and you hear them talk, and I'm like, oh, this is exciting, and I, I like it, but it's like, this is why they're not the forward-facing communicator, yeah. so. I think that there are sometimes people who can overcomplicate things, which is not necessary either, but we need to have enough, there needs to be enough nuance. It, it, some things can't be simplified too much, right. <laughs> right? And oftentimes in this, like I said, nutrition, training, wellness space, things get so distilled down to where it becomes very dogmatic, to your point, and then it's like, that's not useful for people because when we're talking about working with individuals with different bodies and different backgrounds, the same program and the same principles might apply 80% for both of us, but that 20% is what's specific.
0: And what keeps people
2: coming back. Hey gang, Kevin here again. I just wanted to take a second and pause right there because what Lauren just said is super important. Just because someone has the Confidence in their voice about what is best for you doesn't mean that is necessarily best for you. Each and every single one of you is different. And what we have decided to do at Hidden Summit is utilize your information to cater to your needs. Meaning that I'm different than you and you're different than Justin and Justin's different than Lauren. So we're all going to go down different paths that go beyond what our goals are. Right. It may not work for me, but works for you and vice versa. So what we've done at Hidden Summit is created a metabolic stress blueprint so we can see what is causing you stress and inflammation in your life. And then based off of your results and severity of those results, take on what is primary, secondary and tertiary to map out a course of action based on you, your results and your goals. So we can see optimal and sustainable results sooner rather than later. So if you're interested in finding out what's going on with you from the inside out, I highly encourage you to take our free metabolic stress blueprint today, uh, going to stan.store slash hidden summit, and then you can book a call to get on with Justin or myself, and we can go over the results with you and discuss what your plan might look like. You too, right.
0: So to your point, and I think you've done this really well in the space is you've studied so into the academic realm and you got really like in the weeds and nerdy about it and very specific about what you wanted to do uh, which I appreciate that part because that's that speaks to me as well but you've also in your presentation very easy to see, brought it back to how does this relate to the mom who's got two kids and she really doesn't care what a macro is Mm -hmm. but she just cares about why she can't seem to stop reaching for You know insert food weakness here Mm -hmm. right or like problem food here when her um you know when her when her kids are giving her fits or whatever Mm -hmm. right and so it's taking what we know from the the dr bill campbells of the world and applying it to you know how we refer to as like soccer mom susie Mm -hmm. right
1: yeah and that's that's what true evidence-based coaching is and a few years ago when the that that phrase became really popular right to say you were an evidence-based coach kind of going back to you know when i when i talked in the presentation like going back to that like 2013 2014 era when you said you were an evidence based coach that basically meant that you were using macro tracking versus a meal plan mm. and you were using more scientifically based things like tracking macros which mind you there was no science about that but <laughs> that was the science crowd and you were also using things like progressive overload like there was this very distinct split like yeah. of the bros of like this works for me it's a meal plan train till you feel it Kill yourself every session versus the um, the other crowd, the, the more science IFYM crowd, um, which largely was in like the natural bodybuilding world. That's where it like sparked out of. Um, all right, yeah, we're gonna do things like progressive overload. We're gonna do the big three, which is like the powerlifting moves. We're gonna track macros. We're gonna do these things that are very very um, specific, right? Mm-hmm. So notice how the other side was was more like intuitive and feeling, and the side was very numbers based, and both of them. Work, but both of those extremes were like to a fault. Yeah. Right. So, evidence based coaching now, I would say, really needs to be okay, we're looking at new and old literature. Right. Some of the best papers came out like many years ago, decades ago, um, but new and, and old literature taking experience. Right. Like, part of evidence based coaching is experience, mm-hmm. it's not throwing that out the window. Um, and then, like, coach client-centered communication. Like, what's actually happening here? Yeah. Again, not just what's optimal, because what what's optimal means nothing if the client is not able to actually adhere or do that. Um, so, a lot of times, again, this is, and I tried to make this point, and I probably should have gone a little bit deeper into it on the talk, but um, where we're getting the messaging is really important, mm. because a lot of people will um, share, like, like I mentioned, the the intuitive eating, right? Um, People who are sharing this message that tracking macros is bad for you, um, that you're going to have a, an eating disorder and that you don't know how to regulate yourself and, and this and that and you should do intuitive eating. Not everybody, I'm not saying, of course, I'm not making these blanket statements, but many people who are sharing this message are people who have tracked their food for 5, 10, 15 years. You couldn't tell me, like me intuitively eating is very different than somebody who's intuitively eating who's never tracked their food intake before. Absolutely. So if we're looking at that messaging, that's, that's a correct message for the macro tracker who's super neurotic and and can't step away from their food scale that's a good message the message is not appropriate for someone who doesn't have that knowledge right so the same thing um goes for when we're talking about the optimal discussion right we see a lot of um, whether they're science educators or you know influencers who who or whatever it might be or athletes who are applying that lens of what is optimal to an athlete and they're sharing that information without sharing the nuance and the context behind it. And then someone who's been training for three weeks is like, oh, I need to periodize this perfectly and have this rest, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have we consistently gone to the gym the amount of days that we said that we were going to? (laughs) I need a a program that's gonna be based around my cycle. Have we consistently gone to the gym yet? Which I wouldn't recommend doing that anyway, but that's a different discussion for a different topic. And I can tell you the perfect person for that interview um, if you're interested. But <laughs> in any case, that's a that's a great example of of social media taking something out yeah, of context. I agree. Um, cycle syncing for training and all that. It's <laughs> in any case we won't derail there. But but the the point is when someone is sharing that information, we need to be. It's relevant to who we're we talking to. Are we talking to a powerlifter who's peaking for a competition? Mm-hmm. Or are we talking to somebody who is a physique athlete or someone who is just starting out? Completely different conversations. So we have to be able to discern um, a little bit better. And that's where, again, evidence based coaching comes into play, where it's relevant literature, experience, and then coach and client communication
0: is at the center of that. Yeah. I agree with you. Like I said, it's kind of like its own little ecosystem. And when you talk about evidence-based, it's like you have to have your own evidence, too. Mm-hmm. Like, have you worked with somebody who this has worked before mm-hmm. or you've seen this that this has worked? Um, I think the best way to describe what you're talking about is contextually relevant information. Mm-hmm. And the best way I've ever heard this described or a way that you might relate to it, because I also do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, as you um, put on stage, We'll um, um, listened to a podcast with Henner Gracie, and he said the reason why a lot of women specifically don't stay in there is because they don't feel the contextual relevance. Like they're in here rolling with these big dudes and like people who want to compete. But if Lauren walks in there, all she wants to do is really learn Mm self-defense, right? And she's not interested in competing. That's not contextually relevant to her. So how do you make this relevant to what she wants to do? And it's approachable from different angles, right? So that's kind of what it reminds me of as far as like you being, I'm also a beginner. So, I mean, I'm a white belt as well. So it's, it's, I'm a blue belt. But oh dang! Okay. Well, shoot. Oh, I, guess I, even, did, I guess I didn't do my research. I'm better.
1: basically a white belt now because I haven't trained, but I did get my blue belt.
0: That's so. awesome. So, how many years did you? Two years. I mean, so it took you two years to get yeah. to the blue belt. Um, and That's my
1: amazing. school was very um, like traditional, very like self-defense based. So, okay. a lot of my blue belt testing was that I'm not over here like doing heel hooks on people. Like, I'm not <laughs> one of those. Like, it wasn't that kind of a school. Um, obviously, every blue belt is different. But from the traditional kind of you know Gracie training, yeah. that, that was um, h- how we did all that. So yeah, it was amazing. I love it so much. Um and, and I would say um I I do love that point because it is, you know, and that, that speaks to finding the type of school that you need, like in the in the jujitsu context, right? If I were to go to like a cutthroat competition gym, yeah, that would not be relevant for me, right? Because I mean I have competed, I did I did compete once. Um but I'm a hobbyist, you know what I mean? Like through and through. Like it's fun. I'm not trying to blow up my ACL for this. I'm not trying to win any like it's it's not that, you know. I wanted to do it as as a skill development. I, it's very practical. Oh yeah. Um and it's super fun. You know what I mean? So but for me, I found a gym that was a gym of hobbyists. Some people competed and some people were really good. Like my one training partner, he's a really good like he's really good at jiu Now, he's not out there competing at the IBJJF world. Like yeah. that's not his goal, you know. He's an engineer, but he's still a really good, you know, athlete. Yeah. Um, But I would go in there and he would be able, like, he would roll with people and, you know, they, like, high-level guys and and, and do all that. But then he would also be like, you know, teach my dipshit ass, like, how to do stuff and and we'd have fun, you know. (laughs) So it was always fun. But if it's the same thing for, like, a community or or working with someone, right, Or, or listening to information and extracting information, how is this relevant to you, right? And if you've been doing this long enough and you have a vast enough... You know, baseline requisite knowledge about it, you can sift through it pretty easily, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the problem is when you're first learning about something, and then you're like, whoa, whoa. So it's like, I remember I one of my friends was coming to visit, and I was like, hey, I want to go to class. Like, do you want to come? Like, you know, you might like it. You know what I mean, kind of a thing. And because um, the way that our gym was set up was like the you know class would be like we're just you know learning a few moves, and then there's rolling after. So I'm like, we don't have to roll. Yeah, obviously. a little bit lab practice. Um, and so she she looks up. She's like, I looked up some jujitsu. I was like on YouTube and it was like you know Gordon Ryan competing and I'm like bro we're not she's like I don't think I'm like we're not doing that you know what I mean or it was something so extreme like that so it's like no 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 but but she didn't know she doesn't know anything about jujitsu so for her it was like Types it in, what's the highest hit? Okay, one of the, you know, some top level people, you know, doing whatever. And she's like, I don't want it. I'm like, no, bro, we're, we're not doing that. We're gonna do some basic <laughs> moves. That's what the class is about. Yeah. The higher level stuff happens later. Like we don't need to be a part of it. It's all good. Um, but to be fair, like using that same lens, if someone is just getting into something and they're seeing someone who is well-intentioned, but is talking about like what's optimal in terms of, you know, XYZ, whatever it might be, like supplementation or, or you know, training protocol or whatever. Mm. And then they're like, "Oh fuck, is this what I need to do? Oh, okay, should I should I try it? Should I should I do it? Or it's so high level that they try it for a little bit, but they're not they're not quite there yet, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that just making information contextually important and relevant um, and, and nuanced enough, like simple, but not too simple, mm-hmm. and I think that that kind of rounds out like my my feelings on that whole kind of."
0: realm (laughs) sure yeah and i think you do a great job of it on your on your own social i I do want to get into some um more fun questions though okay i got one for you fun if you came with a warning (laughs) label what would it be
1: jesus (laughs) these kind of fun questions (laughs) like you know when you like start a new class and then everybody's like say this and you're just like literally sweating um if i came with a warning label hmm don't understand like like technology stuff in general, like 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 need help, like H A L P, like send help. Like that's that would be my warning label. Yeah. Um, if if somebody wants me to set something up like that. So so funny story, these uh, road mics. So I was like, well, I want to get back into doing YouTube again because I've been you know doing the podcast for a while and I and I love it. Um, but there's something about like like I OG, if anybody's followed me for a long time, they would know I used to do a lot of YouTube videos. And um, so I was like, well, let me get these mics. They look a little bit like my mic setup is, is pretty intense. You know, it's not like a casual YouTube video. So Anyways, I get them and I'm trying to set them up and I record two like banging YouTube videos. Like, you know, I do the prep work. I'm like reading this paper and I'm taking the, my notes and I'm studying it and I, they're like two 25 minute video. Like everything's great. I'm so excited. Love these topics. I go to upload it. No sound. Okay. Sick. And I'm like, there's, there's no way I can, like, there's literally like it recorded with no sound, right? Because the thing was plugged in, and then like it's not like I could, I could change that. I'm like, okay. so I'm watching, uh, you know, YouTube tutorials. I'm reading online, which, mind you, Road, if you're listening, which you're not, y'all's like information is, is horrendous. Step it up. Step it up. So I call the people who I bought it from, Sweetwater. Some, they're awesome. Sweetwater, I think it's like they they sell like um, audio equipment type online. Stuff. Yeah, gotcha. Fantastic! Shout out to them. <laughs> guy was really helpful when I was buying it, and then I was like, let me just call him because like they actually have like real people who like work there. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting on 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 the <laughs> and the guy finally gets to the customer service guy. <laughs> i look almost too embarrassed to He was like, okay, so do this and this, and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, now. And he's like, were they turned on when when you did that? And I was like. I, you know, maybe I didn't, I didn't see this. The la- Does this mean it's on now? Because I didn't see this the last time. He's like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't turned on. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to see myself out. <laughs> it's like, yo, you didn't even turn on the, so yeah, send help.
0: <laughs> yeah, send IT help, specifically. Yes. please. <laughs> um, What is, um... What is a, uh, this is, this is going to make might, you mad to think about a little bit about this one. Ooh. What's the purchase of a hundred dollars or less that has most impacted your life or oh a purchase, <laughs> purchase the most you recent. You've been thinking about this
1: for four weeks. Okay. going be in the shower in like a month. But like, fuck.
0: You're like, I, I should this.
1: this shit. Damn it. You know, when someone's like, what's your favorite song? You're like, I don't listen to music. They're like, what? <laughs> All I do is listen to music. I have no favorite songs or a favorite movie. I'm like, oh, there's this. the <laughs>
0: Or maybe it's just a recent purchase in the last six months that uh, you feel like has uh, has been something big. And again, it doesn't. You don't, the road. I was gonna say you don't have to get philosophical on me. It could have just been something like this made my life really easy.
1: <laughs> they didn't make my life easy, but but they are nice. <laughs> uh, I was able to record some podcasts in Australia with them, so they work there you now. Go. Um, Turn them on. Man, purchase in my life. Oh goodness, I am good on the spot with certain things but not other i'm like That's okay i have been like not buying a lot of things recently which is good on me right um oh my god i'm like you're guys gonna have to edit this i'm sorry uh this cup was a great first. um you're like my starbucks cup it's a nice cup man i'm gonna it might come back after another fun question about you can, buy it. You can buy it um but but for real the, the road mics are nice um if you guys are interested
0: if you're, uh, if you're into content If you're creation, into content creation. Yes, and you really need a, you need a mic. Shout um, out to road even though... Yeah,
1: shout out to Road even though y'all are great product, horrible instructions. Um, I got a new pair of Doc Martens recently that I
0: love. Okay. Um,
1: that made me happy. It did oh. really enhance my life. It just made me happy. Hey,
0: that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> nice little pair of shoes to uh, brighten your day.
1: Yes. There we go. That's my... <laughs> I love how you're like, don't make it philosophical. I'm like, what did I do recently yeah. that would
0: enhance? You're like, less than $100. Yeah, well, also, yeah,
1: less than $100. I'm
0: like, damn, with this economy. <laughs> you're like, the makeup that I buy is definitely over $100.
1: <laughs> I did a new perfume. But, like, the, yeah, I'm like, I don't know about enhancing my life, but it it smells great. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: No, I mean, like, you walk around- My warning
1: label is also, like, it's send help with, like, the semicolon, and it's like, is awkward with question with
0: with questions like this. That's the other warning label. So you should have told me that before I asked. Yeah. That. Um, okay. This one. Uh, this one. You probably have a little bit um, faster of an okay, answer. Good. Or I, I am I'm trying not out to fry the brain here on these questions either. A real,
1: real brain twister. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like uh, it's like I'm asking for your social security number or something. Um,
1: Don't do that because I'll say it because I'm like, oh, I know that one.
0: <laughs> what is a. Um, a favorite failure of yours oh. or a failure that really kind of impacted the way that you mm-hmm. like that kind of changed the way that you live your life? Yeah. So, I mean, failure is tough, right? It's like, oh,
1: let's define failure. What, is, what does that mean? Yeah. Getting philosophical right. again. But I would say, um, let's just say that the last show that I did, mm-hmm. right, which was quite um, intense in terms of my last prep. It was nine months long. Um, it was as i alluded to during the talk i've been dieting for for many many years and i kind of you know to be fair i don't know if that was a failure but i was like i just need to take a step back right so we'll call that like a like a a big pivot right um and i was like man like i don't i don't know what to do kind of thing like this has been me for so long Mm -hmm. you know and and the previous year i'd kind of battled some issues in terms of like a really bad injury um and i wasn't really able to to train like i wanted to compete like i wanted to um i had finished school so it's kind of in this weird period of my life where i'm like who am i you know like outside of these achievements right you know um so i guess maybe the failure was was putting all my worth into achievements and not necessarily just my worth, but like what I was striving towards, mm-hmm. like that, that categorically is a failure mm-hmm. to, to, to do that. But what wasn't a failure was me recognizing it and then setting out on the journey to figure out what are these other things? And, and I would say it took me a few years. Like I wouldn't really say that it was probably until last year, like 2022, that I really started to like dive into these types of things and like, all right, like what's going on in my life is currently like not working, you know? And really when we talk about behavior change, or any kind of change in general um you have to want that change and oftentimes even it, even if people around you are you have the best coaches and the best mentors and the best support system and, and the whole all the great systems you still have to go through those those hard periods yourself and that kind of like rock bottom moment proverbially for yourself mm-hmm before you can really make that change like things have to be bad enough before you make a change because if they're bad but not bad enough mm-hmm. you can kind of cope and you can create another coping mechanism and you can kind of divert your attention you can kind of push that under the rug yeah you know so things finally got to a, like the the boiling point i guess you could say so to speak um and that's really when i kind of started um making those changes so it's it, It's not really a direct thing right i'm not gonna obviously there's been other failures in my life but i would say an impactful one to share yeah is that you know recognizing wow i put a lot of my worth and a lot of my my focus solely into external achievements and that's going to lead to a pretty unfulfilled life yeah um so all right
0: let me let me make some changes there sure yeah and again like you said during your end of your competitive career I'm sure there were things going on in the background whether it was like you said the way that you were spending your money relationships you had going on whatever that were taking a little bit of a dive Mm -hmm. because of your external motivation to succeed and Mm -hmm. then you were like this is not what I want to do yeah this
1: isn't just it yeah you know so I think it's those times like I don't think that you know when we think of failures like it doesn't just have to be sometimes there's things that you're like I tried this and I didn't I didn't get in, or I didn't get it, or I, I lost, or whatever it might be. And those can be impactful, but it's not always like those types of th- things either, right? Yeah. Sometimes it is like the the kind of, you know, weirder, like, this isn't really a hard failure, but this is kind of, like, I shouldn't be here, you know? Yeah. So so reflect on those, those times too, um, to be like, where do I really need to make some changes? And uh, often it's, We just have to be ready to confront those things. And I just wasn't ready to confront that stuff. I wasn't ready to confront sitting with myself. I wasn't ready to confront what was actually within me. I wasn't ready to confront the negative behaviors and patterns that I had. And that's why I wasn't doing it. And then I finally was like, enough is enough. Like, you need to make some changes in your life. Otherwise, you're going to end up in a place that... Is not good and and I think oftentimes we are always focused on and this is actually a topic that, that Jordan Peterson has brought up and, and he I heard this years ago and it really really stuck with me and I'm gonna paraphrase it's not exactly what he said but we're always a lot of times looking forward to things right like oh who do I want to be and what do I want to be doing yeah. and we're trying to run towards that which is really useful but we also need to reflect on what am I running away from? Like, what do I not want to be? Mm -hmm. Right. Not running away from in the sense of like, you're avoiding things, but like, who is that person that I could be? If I let my negative patterns and behavior spiral out of control, who's that person? Yeah. Like who, like what's that to use, you know, more heaven and hell and, you know, religious type connotations. Like, where is my hell? And what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And if I know that, then I can know because it's, it's, what often happens is it's not like you wake up one day and you're in that position, right? It's these small steps backwards or towards that area of your life. So if you aren't aware of it, like if you're not aware of who you want to be, you can't reach that either. But if you're also aware of who you don't want to be, it's really easy to end up there. So I think it's an important exercise to also like look at that too, to be like, where could I end up? And for some people that's like... A really bad place towards themselves or towards others. You know, like somebody who maybe has, you know, might be like, I would probably be like selling drugs and and a very like you know and maybe like a violent situation, maybe in prison. Like I know, like literally, I've had conversations with people were like, I would be in prison if yeah. if I if I followed my negative behaviors, I would be in prison. Right? They can clearly see that path, and it's not like a far path. It's like three and a half steps the other way, and I could be here. Mm-hmm. For me, it's always been. I would literally like self destruct and like I would push everybody away in my life because of the things that I was doing and like how I was personally spiraling. So it's just about recognizing and obviously it's a lot deeper than that, but I'm not going to get into that on the podcast. <laughs> but um, it's I think it's important to recognize not only like who are you trying to be, but what are you trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. Um, because understanding that reality is super important. And a lot of us don't want to sit and think about that, but all of us are capable of very bad things. Um, And it's often not until we're in that position to where we've done some of those things, where you're like, wow, I didn't even know I was capable of doing that, that you go, wow, I really maybe need to to re-examine myself.
0: I love that, I love that. And I think you have a, as I said earlier, you have a gift or you're developing a gift that was already there for taking that awareness piece. And bringing it into your message uh, to where, like you just explained, is there's a lot more behind this than Mm -hmm. just the food you should, the food that you should eat or the food you want to eat versus what you don't want to eat or what's going to get you to your goals and nutrient dense and all that. But what is going on between the ears Mm -hmm. that is driving you towards something you want or towards something that you don't want? Mm -hmm um so like i said i appreciate your time today yeah um, no
1: i love these questions minus the hundred dollar question i could answer i can i can philosophize all day long but hun- what's a hundred dollar purchase yeah. i'm like uh coffee
0: <laughs> there you go hey it you made your made your day better today it definitely uh, did but, but no, i
1: really appreciate the questions they were very thought-provoking and i hope everybody got a lot out of it and prompts you guys to think about some of these questions too
0: no i love it and uh if you are uh up for it. And when you see uh, or catch Lauren on uh, social media, um, you can send her the user manual to um, the wireless mics (laughs) from Rode. Um,
1: (laughs) Is this thing on?
0: Yeah. Um, Where can, uh, where can people find you on the internet? I know, you, you know, whatever you're, I know you have your own coaching business and things like that so l- let everybody know where they yeah, can get a hold of you on the world wide web so
1: mm-hmm. uh team is where you will find our coaching business so coaching consulting i also start i'm starting a coaching mentorship i'm not sure when this is coming out I saw but i'm going to be starting to do that as well um do have a podcast the Loco fit show so we put out an episode every week and my social media is at lauren conlin l-a-u-r-i N. Um, and if you go to my Instagram page, the, the the link tree literally has everything you could ever imagine in terms of like where to find more information. Um, so probably just go there first.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can I can tell you guys from research experience that. If you just Google Lauren Collin, you're gonna find everything that you want to find. That more. too. <laughs>
1: Hopefully, good stuff. But <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And so, anyway, but yeah, like I said, I appreciate your time, and uh, glad to have gotten to know you a little bit better.
1: Yes. No. This has been great. I am so thankful to be here, and
2: thankful to be on the show. Awesome. All right. Woo! That'll do it.